Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. family all dream of leaving their home in a small Jamaican town, but each woman encounters obstacles that keep her from living the life that she really wants. This is the riveting backdrop for the book published by author Dion Peart. Hi, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today, I want you to meet my special guest, Dion Peart. An attorney and author, Dionne was born in England to Jamaican parents. She grew up in Canada and later moved to the United States. Living in Canada allowed her to develop a deep appreciation for other cultures. Dionne and I met back in 2004 when I applied for a job at the firm where Dionne worked. She was the first person I actually met there, and I remember that she was gracious enough to go out to lunch with me and give me the skinny on what it was like to work at the firm. We worked together for about five years, after which time I left the firm to move in-house, and Dion moved to D.C., where she is now serving as general counsel of an organization there. Now, those of you who are part of my Facebook family may recognize her name because she was my inspiration for the series I did not too long ago called International Travel Tips. There were four of those. And uh, I actually dedicated that series to her because it was um, actually Dion who pushed me into uh, doing it and thought it would be a great topic, so I did. She has published her first work of fiction entitled Somerset Grove, and that is what we're going to talk to her about today. Dion, welcome to the Speedway Show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on the show, and thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm always looking for excuses to bring my friends on the show. So <laughs> it's worked out quite well. So now I am reading uh, Somerset Grove, and I am thoroughly enjoying it. As I said in your introduction, you were born in England, grew up in Canada, and you now live in the U.S., are you then by uh, are you of Jamaican heritage then? I am, anyway. Um as you mentioned earlier, my parents were both born in Jamaica and uh they moved to England when they were um uh, each in their teens and they, they moved there to finish school, um, as a lot of Jamaicans do. And they met there, got married, and my brother and I were born there and then we moved to Canada shortly after that. So yes, I am Jamaican and very proud of it. Do you get to uh, do you get to go back home often? Not as as often as I want to. Um, as you know, when we worked in private practice, any time you took off time, you had to make up for it in billable hours, and so yep. I didn't get to travel as much as I wanted to. And I'm sure you didn't get to travel as much as you wanted to either. So not um, nearly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping now that. Um, 
I have a more manageable schedule that I that I can make it back there this year. I'm really looking forward to it. That would be cool. So now, what else would you like us to know about your background? There's a, you know, there's a sort of the public face that we read, and there's the public uh, bio. But um, yeah, share with us something that uh, people might find interesting and, and might not know about you. Well, so I've always wanted to be. I think I've, down, I've always wanted to be a writer. I never um, talked about it when I was younger because I had very practical-minded parents, and so they always said, as "I'm sure your parents said, see way, you know, go to law school or go to medical school or get a, you know, get a career with a with a great title." And so, <laughs> yeah, then you can do whatever school. you want. Like you're going to have time, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so I think I've always had this this uh, dream of being a, a writer um, since I was small, but put it on the back burner until, um, you know, I got into practice for a few years and decided that, you know, I'm just going to throw my hat in and just give it a shot and go for it. So um, I think that is that is my little secret. <laughs> Well, it was a secret because I was actually quite surprised when I saw the book because I thought, I didn't know Dion wanted to be a writer. <laughs> so I was actually quite, I was surprised and I was most impressed. So what inspired you to write this book? Because, you know, as 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 lawyers, it is often said that inside every lawyer is a frustrated writer. And there are many of us who dabble and we pretend, right, and we try. But mm-hmm, but right. it takes a whole nother level of determination to get to publication. So what inspired you to write this book? Well, um, as I mentioned, I always loved to read uh, before I went to law school where I had to read. <laughs> and it was especially exciting for me when I came across authors like um, Toni Morrison and Alice Walker uh, because they wrote stories about characters that looked like me. And, um, you know, growing up in Canada, it was very diverse, but there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me. And so, you know, in the libraries, there weren't books about people that looked like me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when I got to law school um, and then following those first few years of practice, I hardly read it all um, because of all the, um, you know, the billable hours and, you know, you do enough reading with case law that you just didn't have time to do anything else. Um, but after a while, I kind of got back into my love of reading and I discovered um, some great new artists, authors like uh, Bernie Fitzpatrick, and I began to think, I wonder if I could do that. And just as I said the same thing about law school, I, I wonder if I could get myself through law school. I said, I wonder if I could write a book. And so that's what I did. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Well, I, I I didn't want to steal your thunder by describing it too much when I have the best person right here to talk about it. So share with us, our listeners, a little bit more about this novel. And incidentally, for all of those of you who are thinking, oh, this is going to sound pretty interesting, you will be able to get a link to the book off of the um, um posting for this particular episode. So if you go to com and you go to the link, the the show, Somerset Grove, you uh, and you scroll down, you'll be able to click on the link and you can go and buy Dion's book. So having said that, tell us why we should buy the book. Tell us something about this novel. Well, Somerset Grove, um, so it's a story about a family of three generations of Jamaican women 
whose conflicts and family ties take them on a journey from a small fictional town in Jamaica to Canada and back again. And so as you read the story, you'll experience their internal conflicts as well as all the challenges that they face, which include um, education, socioeconomic issues, immigration, and perhaps the biggest one um, for the characters, which was pride, which keeps them from connecting on a level that they they really want. Um, and so, as I mentioned, when I grew up in Canada, um, it helped me develop a great appreciation for the cultures. And you know, my favorite type of book uh, was always about a story about um, another time, place, and culture. So I wanted to write a book about what I enjoyed reading about most. Um, and this particular story came to me because growing up in Canada, I had known so many families that had that came from different cultures and backgrounds that had similar stories about you know, how their families migrated to Canada and what that looked like for them. And what interested me about that was the stories behind the stories. So, you know, you would see parts of a family together and, um, you know, siblings coming together who hadn't met each other or hadn't seen each other in years or parents that hadn't seen their children in years and, um, you know, all that comes with, with them trying to get reacquainted with each other. And so out of those stories came the stories of these three main characters um, in Sunset Grove who are Ruby, Angelique, and Carmen. So I have to ask, did you intend for it to be funny? Because there are parts of the story that are actually pretty funny. <laughs> so, you know, when and, and I thought about it when you talked about the pride, right, because they're, they're really kind of pretentious. And so mm-hmm. um, part of it is, is you, you have these scenes where, you know, they're, they're sort of one of them is correcting the pronunciation as she's trying to buy this <laughs> ticket and then she can't get the ticket and the guy kind of looks at her and he's like, yeah. And he mispronounces the word intentionally because she uh, ticked him off. And uh, so, and, and Ruby, the mom, you know, I, I was mm-hmm. so tickled because you read about her and she's so status conscious, right? And yeah. um but but then when you hear the description of the house that she lives in, you're just kind of thinking, you know, it, it sounds kind of ghetto fabulous. <laughs> you're just kind of like, well, I see she's pretentious, but boy, this sure ain't stuff to be proud of. So, and and you kind of laugh because they're such real characters because you know people like that. So did you intend for it to be funny as you were writing it? I mean, did you read because I read parts of it and I was like, okay, now that's funny. <laughs> well, parts of it, yes, and that's um, that's always been my personality. It's kind of I kind of have this dry sense of humor sometimes, and so it just kind of comes out, and um, so it kind of uh, unconsciously came out in the writing. And um, but that's also I think Jamaican people just kind of have this funny way about about them. So you know, even when they're discussing something that's not pleasant. There's a joke in there somewhere, so it just kind of flowed naturally in the in the writing. Well, I was impressed. I have been I have been tickled by the characters, and I I, I was really impressed when I saw the publication announcement. Considering, especially that you are a very busy lawyer with a full time job, and I'm sure other responsibilities and activities that you have to juggle. So when and how do you find the discipline to write? You know, that was uh, a really good question, and I um, 
I started writing it when we were both working at the firm. So, um, you know, you just felt like you, you didn't have any time for yourself there. Um mm-hmm. Just because you had the billable hours and you also had to pump out some really high-quality work, and that took a lot of time and effort. Um, yep. But I decided, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have to commit to do it. And when when I decided that I was going to commit to do it, I just had to find the time to do it. So I, I joke with people when they ask me what I do, and I say, well, I'm a lawyer by day and I'm a writer by early, early day. Um, so I knew. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so in order to get it done, you know, you have to wake up before the rest of the world wakes up. Um, so I would get up uh, when I was in Minneapolis. I would get up early, and I remember I had my desk um, uh, in my apartment right by the, the patio door. So I got all this light. I would get up, walk out of my bedroom, and put myself down the desk and. Um, try to get in 30 minutes to an hour of writing. Um, every and day? Every, every day. Um, wow. I, I, yeah, I've talked with other authors and, and um, writers, and they say, you know, you have to do it every day to improve your writing. So I just said, okay, I'm going to do it. I can, I can squeeze out 30 minutes to an hour if I get up early enough. So... That's what I did every day, and on the weekends I try to squeeze in, you know, four or five hours. Um, but it's it requires discipline. But once I got into doing it, and um, you know, I, I was doing it for a while, then I would start to feel guilty if I missed. So sometimes uh-huh. you'd sleep in, or <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you had a hearing and you really need to focus on reviewing your your arguments, and so. You know, I'd look at the computer and I'd say, no, you can't do that today. But then I would feel guilty for the rest of the day. So um, it just took a lot of discipline. But now it's such a regular part of my day that, um, you know, it, it, becomes, it comes a lot easier now. You probably wouldn't know what to do at the time if you didn't write, I would guess, after a while. <laughs> Uh, exactly, and I get up in the morning and I'm thinking, okay, well, you got to, that's the first thing you got to do. So even on the weekends, before I start cleaning or doing laundry or running errands, got to get that writing out or at least plan to do it at some point in that day. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and so now it's just it's just like clockwork for me. Um, even when I'm on vacation now, you know, I bring my laptop and i got to get some writing out and then I can go have some fun. Sweet. So in Somerset <laughs> Grove, we meet these three women, Angelique, Ruby, and Carmen. And mm-hmm. um, the so so give us you know I have my opinions about them and 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 I, I sort of <laughs> love and, and and dislike them at the same time in some ways, right? Because it's like wow, that's mm-hmm. just pretentious, and then it's like you know I think I remember doing that one day. Um, so <laughs> give us <laughs> give us a glimpse into who these women are. Sure. Um, <laughs> so the three main characters, as you mentioned, are Ruby, Angelique, and Carmen. And Ruby um, is the grandmother, Angelique is the daughter, and Carmen is the granddaughter. And the first person that you meet in the book is Angelique, who is a 17-year-old small-town girl who thinks she's really an uptown girl and uh, just trapped in a rural existence. And so she's very beautiful. 
she's fatty and always seems to get herself into some sort of situation. <laughs> so she's ambitious but very prideful, and um, both, of things, both of these things kind of get in her way of being the kind of person that she really wants to be. So people who people who have read the book really root for her um, because you can tell she does all of this because she's trying to get ahead and just doesn't know how. Um, and so in the book, in, in the start of the book, um, she's away at boarding school and it's time for Christmas break and she's, you know, ready to return home, but she's contemplating whether she wants to run away. And the first line of the book is the thought crossed her mind to run. And she's deciding whether to run or not because she's gotten herself in trouble and does not want to tell her mother who she knows is going to um, explode. And so that kind of is the relationship that they have um, throughout the book. They have trouble communicating um, in a calm manner, we'll say. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Ruby is, uh, as you mentioned, she's very prideful. Um, And she's the second character that she meets in the book, Um, her story begins in 1943, and uh, in 1943, we find her as a very young woman in a marriage where she her heart gets broken, and her her pride takes a blow. Um, so she develops this really tough shell around her that interferes with her relationships with everyone, um, especially including her, her daughter. <laughs> exactly, including her, her her husband, who is a really nice guy <laughs> and very mm-hmm. tolerant. <laughs> Um, but uh, a very, uh, he's a very strong and quiet character, and he's actually, I think, a good balance for for Ruby and her um, her tantrums. Um, <laughs> and then finally, you meet Carmen, who is also very powerful. She's um, headstrong, determined, and smart, and I would describe her as a, a survivor. Um, but she's always looking for affection from her estranged father and her mother, but she, again, doesn't know how to get it. And so we see her bitterness get in the way of her connecting with her mother and grandmother and other people in her life. Okay. So the burning question here is, are you reflected in any of these characters? Are any of these women you? <laughs> you know, inquiring minds want to know. That. <laughs> Everyone asks me that, and so sometimes I'm tempted to say yes, but you have to guess which one, and so that that will maybe prompt people to, you know, push this book up to the top of their reading list so they can figure out well, which one is beyond. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so no, actually, none of the characters are me, but I would probably relate most to Carmen. Um, because she's essentially a first-generation Canadian, and that's what I was. Um, and she kind of figures out what she has to do, and she won't ask people for help, which is uh, kind of like mm. like me. Um, so in that way, we're similar, but uh, but our experiences are different. Like Carmen gets into some things that I never got into, but, um, you know, um, if you like to drive up close to trouble, let me watch it. My disclaimer. <laughs> my your disclaimer. Don't don't, don't attribute everything she does to me. <laughs> exactly. My mother might be listening. No. Um, <laughs> no. So, so of, of 
Yes. Of these three, did you have a favorite character, somebody you, you, you liked the most? So it sounds like you can relate most to Carmen, mm-hmm. but between the three of them, do you just feel like, uh, or or even the, the supporting characters, do you have a favorite? Um, you know, I think actually Ruby uh, is probably probably my one of my favorite characters. She didn't start out as a main character in the book when I started writing it. Um, I knew that I wanted to write a, a multi-generational story, and so, I, you know, I'm not the type of person that outlines when I write. It just kind of has to come to be. So the story just flows and the characters and the interactions just flow. And so I think I got close to two-thirds of the way through the book, and I thought, you know, I don't have time to bring in somebody new and to develop a new character. Um, and it also didn't fit for where Carmen's story was going. So, um, you know, Ruby was always prominently in the background, and she kind of told me that she wanted her story told. So she became a main character. And so I went back to the beginning of the book and kind of weaved her story in, and I really liked, you know, how her story begins because it kind of informs how she interacts with other people. And I also like how she kind of changes as she becomes older and becomes a grandmother. So she actually turned into my um, my favorite character. Besides the Jamaican-Canadian connection, are there other similarities between your life and the path that these women chose to take? Um, I think particularly with Carmen's story, um, we're similar in that growing up, um, where there were not a people that looked, uh, you know, like us, you had to work harder and you had to uh, adapt to, um, you know, different cultures. So at home we were very Jamaican, but outside, you know, McDonald's and and, <laughs> and all of that. But at home it was, you know, rice and peas and <laughs> and stew yep. chicken and everything. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I think. I, I think that's where our similarities are. And, um, you know, for my parents, uh, they both um, are just still working on reading the book, but their stories are very similar to, you know, um, um, Angelique and a lot of the characters that are um, Caribbean descendants that are also uh, mentioned in the book. And okay. um, so you have this, you know, they have this feeling of isolation when they moved there. They would go... Um, you know, a couple of weeks without seeing anyone that looked like them. And so you have this kind of tiny community of Caribbean people who get together and socialize and celebrate and commiserate and, you, you know, who also run into conflicts. But, you know, you start talking with your friend and who else is there that you can relate to. And so um, I, I think their experiences, the characters' experiences are similar to what my parents and what my friend's parents experienced um, living in Canada. Well, one of the questions I wondered as I read it was, so did you actually need to do a lot of research for the book or was it all from your personal experience and just imagination? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up, my parents told me a lot about um, living in Jamaica and their families and what home looked like, what their days were like. And, uh, you know, when I visited Jamaica, I, I remembered a lot and so incorporated that into Somerset Grove which is a fictional town. Um, 
but the things like the, the bakery and the roadside bar and things like that, um, you could find those in a lot of those um, small towns in Jamaica. And so that part wasn't hard um, for me. The, the, the part that, you know, required a little research, um, so obviously the book starts in 1943. Um, and so, you know, my dad was, was still very young then, and my mom wasn't even born yet. So, um, but, uh, you know, I talked to them a lot about, so what, what was it like when you were very little and for your parents, and what airport would you have flown out of when you were going to England, you know, or how would you have gotten there? Would you have taken the plane or would you have taken a ship instead? And and so those kind of things needed a, a little research um, just in talking to my parents and, and other relatives. Um, but there's also some research that I that I did just to, you know, confirm um, um, some things. And then, of course, the, the parts of the story that take place in Winnipeg were a little bit easier because, um, you know, I knew exactly where things were and, and what things were happening around that time. And so it was easy for me to incorporate that into the story. Very nice. Were there things about the writing process as a budding writer that you found surprising, either about the creative process or the path to getting the book from manuscript to publication? Um, yes, there were actually. And it's funny, the part that was really challenging was the part that I thought would be relatively easy, and that was the freedom to create your own story with no restrictions or constraints. Um, you know, as you know, Speedway, when you're writing a legal brief, the facts are all there for you, and it's just up to you to put them together in a way that, you know, puts your client in the best light. And so, you know, you're telling your client's story, but the facts are what they are, and you just got to work with what's there. Um, yep. So, you know, all the puzzle pieces are there, and you just got to arrange them. But when you're writing your own story... You have to make up the puzzle, and then you got to put the pieces together. So, you know, there are those moments where I said, "Now what? Um, where do I go from here? What do I make them do? What makes sense?" And, and so, having absolutely no structure was was actually pretty challenging for me. So, I, I was surprised by that. But, um, you know, word by word, and, and line by line, and page by page, I got through it. Kind of came together. Well, I know that we have some budding authors out there, myself included, and, um, you know, it's it's truly, I, I don't say it lightly, but it's truly an amazing thing to get a book to publication because ask me, take a guess, ask me how many books I've written so far. Uh, well, with you, Seaway, I'm surprised that you, you've done two, right? <laughs> yeah, that's two, right? <laughs> I am on <laughs> I don't know how you could possibly guess that because that's exactly right. So I wrote a 300-page novel when I started practicing years and years ago. And um, then oh, wow. it was exciting. To Well, you know, the creative process was the exciting part until I started, I decided to do some self-editing. So I picked up this book on by a really good guy, um, writer named Saul Steen. And it was called, I think it was like Self-Editing for Writers. And with every chapter, I realized how awful my novel was. 
and how much work <laughs> it took. And I just, you know, that that part was not nearly as much fun as just, you know, the creative part. So I it never got <laughs> off the ground. And uh, so now I'm working on my second one. You, you had that and, off. Um, <laughs> Well, you know what? Well, I I I will if I ever get the second one off the ground because I suspect <laughs> now that I'd probably read it and I'd have all kinds of ideas for how to make it better. But um, it it truly is a a labor of love because you really have to stick to it. You have to be consistent. And guess what? When I'm consistent, I'm consistent getting up at four o'clock to do my meditation and to go to the gym and mm-hmm. to push out a show every Sunday. So. I just haven't quite worked that whole writing bit into the schedule just yet. <laughs> so, well, um, knowing you, I so know all you that to say, well, sooner or later, right? So I'm just going to take mm-hmm. a cue from you. So if the answer is you got to write every day, that's huge. And uh, <laughs> so because once, once you find that time where you say, okay, in this hour or in this half hour I'm going to write, then it's just a matter of having the discipline to actually do it. Hey. And mm-hmm. um, so on that topic, I would just love it if you would come back to the show and talk to us about how, so sort of the, the whole nuts and bolts and the background of what it takes to, to, to do the writing, to get published, um, uh, a bit about agents and your experiences in just the whole process. Would you be willing to do that, Dion? I would love to. Thank you so much for inviting me again. (laughs) Why? I thought you might. So, (laughs) listeners, tune in because uh, next month we're going to be talking to Dion again about the writing process. So for all of you who are like me, uh, either writers or at least you fancy yourself writers and you don't have enough time, uh, or you just haven't made the time, or you don't have the discipline, or you just haven't gotten around to going from <laughs> step one to step two to step five, then we're going to be hearing all the secrets about how to get to success from our uh, amazing author, uh, Dion Peart. So, Dion, thank you very much for joining me today on the Speedway Show. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed myself. Listeners, you can purchase a copy of Dion's book. It is available through a number of different avenues. It's on Amazon, I believe. And, Dion, you have a website that's actually dedicated to your your profile and this book, right? Yes, I do. It's www.dionpeart.com. That's D-I-O-N-N-E-P-E-A-R-T.com. Excellent. And if you forget that, listeners, you can uh, check into the uh, posting for this show and you will see uh, links to all things Dion. So you'll get a link to her page, you'll get a link to her profile, her bio, as well as the book, and tell your friends and get a copy of this amazing book and enjoy yourselves. Tune in next week. When uh, we are going to be talking, I don't even know what we're going to be talking about, but we'll be talking about something interesting. (laughs) But um, in the next couple of weeks, we will have Dion back, and uh, we'll hear all about the writing process. So thank you all for listening and joining us on the Speedway Show today. This is Speedway signing off, saying go in peace and get a copy of Somerset Grove. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. 
visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.